Luke chapter 18, verse 31. It says, Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. They shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. It came to pass that it was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he had meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. He cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, and that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Tired of the message this morning, my way or his way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open thy precious word. And Lord, we thank you again for your blessings and the opportunity we have to assemble together and to sing praises unto thy uh, glorious name, for truly thou art worthy. And I pray that we look into the word of God now, that we quiet our hearts before you, and that you, we allow the spirit of God to speak and have his will and his way, and help us to be sensitive to your word, to your will for our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In many times in life, we struggle with determining the Lord's will and our own desires and ambitions. And our own logic may times complicate things. Sometimes it's good to examine ourselves and ask, is this my way or is it his way? So think about the passage before us. I'm going to notice three things concerning the truth. There is, first of all, the rejection of the truth. Secondly, the reception of truth. And then thirdly, the response to the truth. First we see here the rejection of truth. In verses 31 through 34 it says, And then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto him, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. It's a pretty emphatic statement. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. They shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. So here you have Jesus telling them he's on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. You know, his home was in Galilee, in Capernaum. So he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's telling them what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered unto the Gentiles. Going to be mocked, spitefully entreated, spitted on, scourged, and put to death. 
That's not the end of it. Third day, I'm going to rise again. So he's telling him all this. And it's going through one, in one ear and out the other. They're not hearing it. They're not hearing it. You know, truth is available to everyone. Truth is available to everyone. The psalmist said in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, it's available to everyone. Their line is going out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoicing as a, rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and a circuit unto the ends of it. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Just like the sun comes up every day, God's, the fact that God is, is, is testified of His creation every day to everyone. Everyone has truth that God is. That God is. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, he makes uh, Paul, uh, writing to the churches, churches at Rome, makes a similar statement in Romans 1, verses 18 through 20, where he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, the things that are, right now, tell us that there is a God. They tell us that there is, the things that are in this world tell us there's a creator. And it's manifest in them, he says. And if you go to chapter 2, in verses 14 through 15, it says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, and meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You see, it's written in man's heart. It's in man's heart. There's a God. It's in man's heart, thou shalt not kill. It's in man's heart, thou shalt not steal. Since the pastor up in Maryland used to always say, you know, uh, uh, no one steals his neighbor's cow and ties it in the front lawn. Why? Because in his heart, thou shalt not steal. It's called guilt. You see, the things that are, and it's in us, testifies that, of the truth that there is a God. So this truth is available to everyone. sad thing is, truth is rejected by choice. Truth is rejected by choice. You might, now, now, this is another whole subject. You might say, well, what about those people who have never had the gospel taken to them? I, you know, I believe this. If you receive the light that God gives you, God will give you more light. That's the Bible principle. And we see that examples of that in the Bible. Cornelius is one. He received the light he had, and God sent him more light. But re truth is rejected by choice. 
And let me give you some reasons why people don't receive the truth. Number one, they hate knowledge. It doesn't fit their agenda or their own glory. And they hate it. Proverbs 1, 30 says, For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. He's talking about the fool. They hated knowledge. You know, this describes the Pharisees. It, see, Jesus didn't fit their agenda. And in John 11, verse 47 48, it says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him less alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans should come and take away our place and nation. You see, he didn't fit their agenda, therefore they hated him. They wanted nothing to do with the truth, even though it's standing in their midst. They hated him. And even Pilate said to them, for, it says that he knew that for envy they had delivered him unto them. So, Reasons people don't receive the truth is, number one, they hate knowledge. Secondly, sometimes we don't receive the truth because of our own preconceived thinking and ideas about how we want things or how we think things should be. Now, in context here, you know, these disciples, and of course all Israel, is expecting or looking for the king. Their Messiah, the king of Israel. The king to come into his kingdom. You know, in John 1, 49, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, speaking to Jesus, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. And so they were, they were expecting, they're, they're thinking about the kingdom, you know, the, the thing that they're constantly talking about. Behind his back or out of his hearing is, which one of us is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? That's what's on their minds. That's what they're thinking about. And this idea of dying and being delivered to the Gentiles, that was just, doesn't fit. Their ideas. And if you were there, think about it, if you were there and saw him heal the sick, Make the blind to see, the lame to walk, the dead restored to life. Would you believe that he whom you've come to believe is God the Son would allow himself to be killed? You know, they're thinking, that, hey, this is great. We are his disciples. What will we be when the kingdom comes? Him crucified? Peter said, not in my watch. You see, the problem is, we, like they, interpret Scripture so many times in light of our ambitions and our circumstances, and not our ambitions or circumstances in light of the Scriptures. Maybe an example. People will get a job offer, a job promotion offer, and that takes priority over whether there's a good church if it's required to move. And all they think about it, I, I can make more money. 
they take a better, they'll take a better job without considering, is there a good church? You know, Saul, instead of utterly destroying Amalek, saved the king and the best of sheep and the best of the cattle for sacrifice to the Lord. Sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, to Saul's logic. That's not what God said he wanted done. He said to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams. Some people think, well, maybe an extra job. Uh, I can make more money. I could give more. We may take time away from the Lord. Maybe time away from your family. Or people will say, well, I'm just not comfortable. They'll use the excuse, I'm not comfortable with that. Or I can't be helped. My problems are too great. They're too complicated. You realize that's the spirit of unbelief? God can do anything. God can fix any problem. That's allowing the devil to continue to hinder your walk with the Lord. You know, sometimes we are unwilling to let go of things or give up certain lifestyles. As we heard some morning in Sunday school, sometimes we're, we're unwilling to let go of things and let, let God put our trust and our confidence in the Lord. It really, that's not the idea. The, 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 the truth is there, we are not dead to self. When Peter rebuked Jesus for talking about dying, you know what Peter's problem was? Peter had not yet died to self. He'd not died yet to his own ambitions. And Peter would defend Jesus to death, and he did. He did cut off the servant's ear, and I don't think he was just trying to cut off his ear. I think he was going for the throat. And that lucky guy ducked. See, he would have defended Jesus to the death. But that wasn't God's will. That was his. That was his. Oh, it was noble. But it was his. You know, you could probably hear Peter saying, this is not how I wanted it. It wasn't how he wanted it. But it was God's will. And so, there's the rejection of the truth. Secondly, we see the reception of truth. Uh, I want to notice, and we see this in the uh, the blind man's, how he addresses Jesus. He recognized and received the truth in how he addressed Jesus. And I want you to notice there's three names he gives the Lord Jesus here in verses 38. You've heard it uh, through 41. First of all, he refers to him as Jesus in verse 38. He says, and he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the name Jesus uh, is given, of course, given by command. 
announced before his birth by the angel. Is, is, if you break it down, its construction is the J-E, J, Ja, or, or ja, uh, uh, it's the beginning of the name Jehovah. It's a short for, abbreviation of Jehovah. And this name of God speaks of divine authority. And that Jesus, and that of Jesus as the great I am. He's the Almighty. Your Revelation 1.8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So it speaks of Him as Jehovah, the Almighty, the I Am, the self-sufficient one. And then the, the S-U-S is associated with the name Oshea or Hosea, meaning help, which speaks of pardon and peace, deliverance from sin and hell. Eusebius in the 3rd century said, quote, The name of Jesus means... The salvation of God, unquote. And so when, when, when the blind man addresses him, he's, he's addressing him as the salvation of God. In Acts 4.12, uh, Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given a man, whereby we must be saved. Uh, in Acts 4.30, says, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child, Jesus. See, he is, Jesus means that the, he is, salvation is of God. He is salvation. So he recognized or, or received him as the salvation of God. But not only that, he also referred to him as the son of David. Notice verse 38 and 39 again. And he says, And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now the, 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 the title of son of David is a royal title, given as the fulfiller of every gracious promise and prediction given to God's people. In Acts 1.32 it says, He shall be great, he shall be called the son of the highest, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. In Isaiah 9-7, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Then Revelation 11:15 says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever." And ever. You see, the, the title, Son of David, recognizes him as the king, the Lord of Lords. But not only did he refer to him as Jesus and Son of David, but he referred to him as Lord. Notice verse 31 saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Lord. Now the word Lord here means he to whom a person or thing belongs. About which he has the power of deciding. In other words, this Lord has the power of deciding. He's the master, the possessor and disposer of a thing. The owner, the sovereign. So, so uh, uh, this blind man, who by the way I believe is Barmaeus, uh, received him as the, the sovereign God and was submitted to his will. And, and, and what you notice, he says, have mercy on me. 
He was accepting whatever it was God would give to him. The word mercy means God withholding what we deserve. So he was pleading with the Lord and recognizing that he is the sovereign God, that he has the right to do with me as he wills, and but that he would have mercy and not give me what I deserve. Now here's a man that really acknowledged himself as he really was. Not deserving of God's favor, but asking for it. So he received him as Jehovah, in whom is salvation. As the royal son of David, who would fill all the promises made unto the fathers. And as the sovereign Lord, to whose will he was submitted. In whom his, his was the breath of life. Allowing him to lead. Allowing him to control his life. Now, just in case you have forgotten, this is a blind man. Whom life had given a raw deal. Who sat and begged every day for a little help. Who was always dependent on others. In fact, you notice in verse 41 it says that he commanded and commanded him to be brought. He had to have somebody lead him to where Jesus was. He could not just decide that he was going to go to Galilee and, and hear Jesus preach. He was limited. He was handicapped. But oh, he opened his heart to everything he heard about this one called Jesus. He was determined to have the opportunity to cast himself on the mercy of the Lord. William Barclay points out in his commentary the difference in the Greek words used to describe the action of the blind man in verses 38 and 39. He says the words cried out means an ordinary loud shout to attract attention, but the cried out the more means the instinctive cry of ungovernable emotion, a scream, an almost animal cry. See, he knew and believed that the Lord Jesus Christ was the truth. He was the salvation of God. That he also was the sovereign Lord in whose breath of life his, his life was, in whose hand his life was, and yet seeking mercy from him. You see, so many times we don't want to receive the truth because we don't accept what our sovereign Lord has for us or asks of us because we fear it. I want you to notice the third thing, the response to the truth. In verse 43 it says, And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. Now the response of the truth, I want you to notice two things here. The word response means any behavior of a living organism that results from an external or internal stimulus. So, this is the result of something happening in his life. First of all, he followed Jesus. To follow here means to join, to become a disciple. 
In Mark's gospel, it tells us that he cast away his garments and followed Jesus. I mean, he became a disciple. I don't know, but I'm just speculating that there's a good, good chance that he was in that number of 120. He became one of the disciples. One of his disciples. He wasn't one of the twelve, but he became a disciple. He followed him. You know, Jesus said in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. They follow me. You know, we need to we need to be willing to follow, seek the truth, and follow. It's really not that hard. In fact, Proverbs fourteen six says, "A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not." I remember reading one time about you know, one of the times that we sent men to the moon and they they said they didn't find God up there. Somebody said they didn't find God up there the same, re- same reason a robber doesn't find a policeman. He's not looking for one. No, a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth not. He's not looking for it. But knowledge, notice, is easy unto him that understandeth. Proverbs 8, 8 to 10 says, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward, forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. You know, it, it, all his words are in righteousness. Receive my instruction, not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. You know, God will always lead to right conduct. God's will. God's will does not create stumbling blocks. Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Somebody says, God's word will not lead you where His grace cannot keep you. You know, So Peter, though noble in his thinking, was out of God's will and stumbled into sin. Because he was out of God's will. He wasn't following. The Lord's way is following his own way. First John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You know, following the Lord, the Lord's will, is not all that difficult. We just need to throw away our, gar- our, our garments, the garments of this old world. The things that clutter and cloud our life. Secondly, so he followed the Lord. Second thing we see here is that he glorified God. Verse 43 again says, Immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. You know, to glorify means to praise, to extol, to magnify, to celebrate. So he gave God, he glorified God for what was done. 
what God had done in his life. Go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. We have in Daniel 4, of course, the heathen king, Nebuchadnezzar, you remember, was driven from his kingdom because he boasted himself against God. But after that, in verse 34, Daniel 4, 34, it says, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I am Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Here's a man now who before glorified himself and his kingdom, but who now is giving all the glory to God. He, he speaks of, of God's dominion, that he, God, he is sovereign. He does what according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. It's God's will. Jeremiah 9.24 says, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. See, we need to glory in the fact that we can understand God. We can understand his will and his purpose in our life. 1 Corinthians 1.31, that according as is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10.17, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You see, he glorified God. And all the people, you know, it, it, was, it was so that the people that saw it or, or, or that uh, uh, came in contact with him also glorified God. Gave praise to God. You notice the end of the verse says, and, uh, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. You see, what God, what God is doing in our life ought to cause other people to say, God hath done great things for them. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They ought not to praise you. They ought to be praising God. For you. For what God has done for you.
You see, it all begins with doing it his way. Allowing him to have his way. You know, the truth is, the truth is available to all of us. How are we receiving it? Or are we receiving it? And you know, I know this, I know from experience, this is a constant, this is a struggle we have in life. Sometimes, you know, our, our, our thinkers get us in trouble. Our human reasoning, our logic. No, we need to take God, we need to humble ourselves. You know, Jesus talked often about children that we're to humble ourselves as a little child. In other words, simply take God at his word. You know, the disciples had, had, weren't taking Jesus at his word here in this context. But Barnabas did. Barnabas believed everything that he heard about him being the salvation of God, the sovereign king and the Lord of glory. You know, are, we, are we following his way or are we striving to have our way? And really it boils down to this. Have we died to our own? You know, Paul said in Galatians 2.2, 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I live, now in the flesh, by the, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, it's not my will. It's not my way. It's God's way. Now, did Paul struggle with that? Yeah, he did. He had a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God, take it away. Three times, take it away. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. So we have to seek to follow him, his way. So are you seeking his way or are you seeking your own way.